Teachers are so important. Like, they actually are. Care about it and, like, actually try. I believe it is a beautiful piece of art. Welcome along to See Me After Class for 2020. This is a podcast that emanates from a beautiful school in the southern Alps of New Zealand. Now, let's meet the team. And here is Cathy, a parent who aspires to make connections in a community to build a successful future. This is Chris, who aspires to be an agitator who tests the boundaries just to see how the system reacts. And this is Anna, a silent observer who's a go-between between the students and the teachers in a classroom. This is Renee, who aspires to forge a progressive and creative path. And together, we are See Me After Class. Welcome along to our occasional series on courage. And I've been long waiting to have this conversation with Sienna about courage in her world at the school. Sienna's a year 13 student, just at the end of her entire school career. And this year's been one where she's had a really important representative role in the school. She's been our school's head student. And she has acted with courage on a number of occasions. And since courage is our thing to talk about, Sienna, welcome. Hi, thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. We want to have these conversations about courage, partly to dispel this myth that courage is all heroic bravery and to examine how everyday people in the course of their natural lives act with courage at a number of moments. And sometimes, yes, they are highly visible. But the more we talk about this, the more we realise quite often the true acts of courage are quite intimate and private and and unique to the individual and because I don't know you well I'm interested in uncovering how courage works for you but I have to admit that there are moments in your school life where you've worked in a quite a high profile way and demonstrated great courage so I do know that there are sort of grand gestures in your case that you've made that bring you to mind when I think of the word courage and I will su- suggest to you that the Uh, speech you made at the school's end-of-year prize-giving was courageous. So if we may, could we start there and see where we go? Yeah, absolutely. Do you consider that speech to have been courageous? On one hand, uh, it was something that made me incredibly nervous. And as I was writing it, I was writing what I felt was the truth. It was my truth and what exactly, exactly what I wanted to say. But I was incredibly nervous before presenting it because like in any any case of, of presenting your work and your words and, and who you are, you don't know how that's going to be received and felt to me under the circumstances and who I was presenting to and what I was presenting about that the stakes were pretty high and I didn't, I just had absolutely no idea how people would understand what I was saying and what they would take from it um, and so on one hand I guess, I, I don't think I, I thought about it as a courageous action but I did did think about it as a scary action but on the other hand I think that what I did was tell the truth and I don't think that that should be something that takes huge courage and maybe that's just me being overly critical but I think that it should be a norm but it's not unfortunately and so possibly it, it does take huge courage to actually say the truth when so often we prefer not to. When you say truth, what truth are you telling? 
I think it, a great focus of what I wanted to say was around the difference between what's easy and, and actually taking action and what makes a difference. Um, and I think that doing what's easy is insidiously a part of our culture and the what my experience of the culture and, and fundamental functioning of education and education systems and management in particular. And I think that what made this the perfect but scary, as I said, opportunity to do that was that this was a school prize giving and I knew exactly who I was talking to and I sort of knew who would understand what I was saying. And I wanted to make sure that it was heard that silence doesn't foster change, but neither does speaking for others. And I said that, I wrote that in my, um, my yearbook piece as well. It's hard to it's hard to answer because I don't as I said I don't think I looked at it as a as a courageous thing I just if it's not courageous why doesn't everyone do it and I think when we keep saying it I'd like to um, put some flesh on that pronoun what is it that you did whether it was courageous or not and um, then why might that be considered courageous by some in the position that I'm in in the school I we it is ideal for us to do what we're told and to be a smiling face and a, a puppet um, but that's not how I wanted to do this role this year and I guess the courage that was I suppose in what I did maybe was in that I said what is actively ignored and I said what people definitely don't want to hear about their actions and whether they understood that or not and whether the students understood that or not I was giving my response to the behaviours and the sort of almost lack of the behaviours that I've seen. I'm keen to keep circling around courage and keep circling around it for you personally and I'd like to just add a few more components of your person into the conversation if I may. Mm -hmm. So I know that we're talking during the exam phase and I know that you've just completed your uh, scholarship examination for drama and again you might not consider it to be courageous but an examination that involves live performance and uh, <laughs> improvisation <laughs> and like the, the, the demand of that in itself would be a, an act of great courage for many can I just ask, did it feel courageous to you? Is that sort of thing courage? Definitely. I think it's easier for me to picture it as something that's courageous when I picture somebody else doing it rather than myself. But I think the key thing with that, at least for me and my experience of it, was that like, even in the moment, the moment would have been a lot worse had I not been prepared, but we trained and we trained a lot th throughout the year and what where the real um, hard work and, and courage ca came from, I think, was in the continuing when barriers upon barriers upon barriers upon barriers keep coming up and I think that's where that's a huge part of where courage comes from especially in and I guess my experience of life in the last few years is that the, the blows don't stop coming and mm. where courage is is when you keep going after that and you pick yourself up and then you keep trying and then when, when you even more so when you when you do be or, or create at a high level I think that takes immense courage. So courage is perseverance. 
I think so. Mm. I think that's in, in resilience and yeah, absolutely. Because it would be very, very easy to surrender to to those blows or to to, to surrender to mediocrity. It certainly uh, resonates with the other students who have spoken to is that there's definitely this theme of picking yourself back up and carrying on in spite of it all. Mm -hmm. And that seems to me to lead to the ability to perform acts that might have quite high profile, courageous gloss to them. Mm. But actually it's on the foundation I seem to be learning to understand of just a sustained determination to stick with things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's like what you said earlier on. It's in the moments that aren't seen. It's in the, the conversations. It's in the very small acts. It's in picking yourself up every day and keeping on going. And, and no, that's such a cliche saying, but it is in the before steps. And mm. then when you get to that grand gesture or whatever, then that, that can't come without everything that's happened beforehand. And everything that's happened beforehand is what is often enormous um, difficulty and sometimes enormous pain. But that is where the courage lies and that's where the, the, the outcome comes from. It's not, the outcome doesn't, for, for, on a personal level, for the, for the person, I guess, undergoing the courageous action, the result comes from, oh, Emily McRae is going to love this, the result comes from the process and everything that you do in advance, not from the result. The result is, is the outward exterior. Um, sort of manifestation yeah. of the process. Yeah, yeah. which is fantastic and yeah. valuable, but... And that brings when you're speaking as a as a drama student, of course, you've got that whole everything about the process, which is essentially your work at school. But of course, there is the performance, and the performance is if it, even if it's just the coalition of everything that's come prior to it, it's also a coalition with an audience. And so, mm-hmm. there's the social interface. And another thing, other students we've been talking to for very different reasons have been talking about that moment of social interface with their selves or identities or their uh, their agendas or actions is that you have to sometimes bring it to bring it to light and and because it's another preoccupation of mine may I also ask in terms of dimensions of you about what it might be like as a female student speaking in front of audiences or challenging norms or questioning practices in the school. Do you think that your gender has any effect on, A, I guess, what it's like to do that and B, how you do it? And you can say no to this, by the way. Well, my first instinct is to say definitely, but I do have to keep in mind the fact that I don't know what it's like to not be a female and not identify as a woman, and Mm. that is how I experience this I can compare because of what I see in front of me, but I can't compare in terms of how, for example, um, my counterpart, who's like, we were, we're the head students, but we have sort of a head boy and a head girl that was, that those, those labels were still on us this year, which we're moving past now. I can't say how he personally experienced it, but I can say how I personally experienced it and what everything looks like, but that is only from my so yeah, so with all of those um, riders, and with my apology for asking, can we answer the question <laughs> yes. anyway? Like, um, I definitely think that, and I think that in circumstances where the the leadership is predominantly male. And you are... And that's the school leadership, isn't it, we're talking about there? Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, so the and administrators men. in the school are, are, are mostly men. Mm. Um, and 
there is definitely, I think, right from the beginning of the year for me, a sense of, I, of course, this this role and, and, and everything it does have enormous pressure. It has, to, has, it has to have pressure and it has to have responsibility, but I think that being a female in this role, being the head girl, I have air quotations around that, there is an whole other side of pressure that comes with that and it's in a culture and in an institution as well where those cultures they are unchallenged mm. and that's the thing they go unchallenged and even even when they're recognized recognition is not enough and again maybe that's me being overly critical but I think being good enough is not good enough and in any environment I feel that way but particularly in education it just breaks my heart a little bit thinking about the fact that when it's a when it's an institution of education that's raising human beings that are going into the world that is the 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 importance and the gravity of that can't be stressed enough and when they're taught that it's easier to not challenge the norm and when they're taught that ignorance is valuable and ignorance is best then that's how they're going to go into the world and be and when that's what they're role modeled so back to using your speech at the end of the year at the prize giving when you have the talent and skill to concoct a populist speech which would have gained enormous applause and acknowledgement from your peers and the parents and the teachers you chose to uh, present quite a sober speech which was a call to action and established a number of challenges to the administration of the school as much as anything you're you're choosing to perhaps sacrifice some of your own easy status for something deeper what's the deeper thing i think that not is empty and that it would leave as somebody who's in a position of leadership and responsibility it would leave me in a position of just hollow indifference and i I guess just as a personal thing that what I couldn't bring myself to do that. And it was a challenge to decide to do that because in this position, it's hard to make the sac- make the choice of going, I'm going to do something that not every single person in the room is going to love me for. And when you're in a position where you, and this is quite personal, but where you basically live off of external gratification and other people's applause, Maybe that's where some of the courage comes from in this. That was a hard decision to make because... Because you were voted into this role. This is another thing to keep in mind in terms of people listening, is that to some extent the role is selected on the base of a popular vote. So you're already getting from that an enormous amount of validation. Mm. So to then turn around and uh, finish it up by criticising those very people who established you in the role, that is undermining some of your stability so where do you get the strength to do that? Because I had the privilege of being in that position, we, like you said, I, I was voted in and, and, and all of that, and I was given that opportunity. It's almost, I just, as much as it's like you shouldn't, you shouldn't do what I did because you should smile and, and do what they want you to do. And perhaps people would consider it to be showing respect and gratitude. Mm. Part of the fear was that, well, is, does it look ungrateful? But I hope, I, I tried, I hope that it was somewhat su- successful in doing it with 
huge respect. I tried to do that at least because I do have that respect because I, I, I have enormous gratitude and I hope that I in some way express that but at the same time it's like I wouldn't be doing the position justice if I didn't use my voice. If I didn't say what I said then I wouldn't be making the most of my situation and I wouldn't be, I w almost wouldn't be showing full gratitude to the position that I have in the forum that I had. I had the opportunity to speak to an entire room full of people and so I had a responsibility to say my own truth and that doesn't have to be everybody's truth but I hope I said it in a way that you know wasn't righteous and and I was quite conscious of the fact that I didn't want to sound as though I thought I was better than anyone else or that I'm telling you that you should be this way because I'm this way and I know everything because it's not how I feel but I, yet those criticisms will be leveled at you all the same won't they yeah absolutely and it goes back to you're um, touching on my gender because I, the criticism faced is enormously increased and you have to be conscious of yourself to a degree that, again, it's hard to say because I only know my experience of the world, but to a, to a degree that's possibly, probably unhealthy and could never, ever, ever is anything actually quite right. You're always always on a precipice and you're just kind of balancing there um, and so this was a final opportunity to just say take a leap yeah to just take a leap to be honest that's what <laughs> I did yeah and it's been done how do you yeah. feel good definitely really good and I had the moment after it was done, I left my paper on the um, lectern. I had this awful, horrified moment where I was about to walk away without it, and then I was like, you are not having that as my property. You are not allowed to read that on a piece of paper. And then, like, so I had to run back and kind of grab it. And then, but afterwards, when I sat down, it was sort of just like this big exhale of, I have no idea how I feel about that, but I did it, and that's done now. And then when I went up for whatever I was going up, next for I caught eye contact with two of my teachers and got a wee like thumbs up gesture and that was that just made it that definitely eased some tensions because two, two people that I trust enormously and two people that I um was expressing my gratitude for um in my speech so that was that did give me some encouragement encouragement that that I hadn't just thrown myself off a cliff. <laughs> you would be regarded by many people and on many measures as having been a success at school. The successes that you have accumulated, I acknowledge, are as a result of the kind of courage you talked about earlier, the perseverance. That's characterised you. And even though I've never been your teacher, I know this. So there's your success. But at the same time, one of the questions we ask on this podcast quite often is, how can we help people like you in education? And it's, I think your speech answers that question. So I think you've already provided us with an answer. And I think you may offer us your speech as well as part of this. So, so there's an answer. But I don't want to only expect that to be the answer. I wondered if you wanted to add more to that. Is there anything you'd like to say to people who are listening who are educators or parents or people who have a role in the lives of younger people? about advice. What can we be doing in order to promote 
an environment where people like you can thrive and succeed? Well, I'm speaking to someone who does it with quite extraordinary um, skill and execution. And so I have less of a advice, more, for example, in the part of my speech where I thanked my teachers, I thanked them for teaching me how to use my voice. And that is the biggest thing on a, on a very personal level, but also on a, on a level of, of how I feel about education and how I feel young people should be taught. The, the, the most important thing that I was ever taught. And I think that by leading by example is like a classic cliche, but it's very, very, very important. And I think that from my experience of it, we're in a school where we're taught not only by the words that are said, but by our culture, teaches us to tick boxes. It teaches us to do the bare minimum rather than to and to do what's hard and to do what what needs hard work and possibly vulnerability we're taught that result is the only thing that is valuable hi again um after leaving our session the other day and after driving for about 30 seconds i had to pull over when i thought of um, a better answer to your last question uh, and i just wanted to mention the way i think that this is actually a perfect example of how education should be framed in my opinion and what should be remembered by people in education and you demonstrate um, through your action of offering me the opportunity to share my voice how the most important and, and vital and effective practices and actions are the ones that happen every day often behind the scenes unrecognized and, and between people in contrast to actively presentational actions that that are appearance driven and, and empty rather than executing the difficult task of having faith that what you're doing may not be recognized and does take continuous effort but will ultimately actually mean something because they mean something in the lives of individuals and they also mean something in cultural understanding come from going through the motions that comes from an intrinsic desire to better other people's lives and the courage to take action to do so, there's nothing more important than that in having a role teaching young people. This is what you do when you, as a teacher, persevere against a powerful and unsaid collective wave of ignoring by doing things not for the recognition or for the tick or for the applause, but for the true value of the exercise that, that you have faith will come to fruition for... For the genuine growth and, and the profound experience that is connecting with another human and influencing them to feel that they have a place in the world. And as a teacher, you have a moral imperative to act in such a way that educates young and impressionable people not to do what they're told and to defer to assumptions, but to function autonomously in the world. And when you don't teach with the motivation of actually bettering other people's lives and, and perception, you'll, you, you might do more harm than good. The difference between those who are active in this rather than, than passive is sometimes blatantly clear, but more often and, and possibly more dangerously, it's subtle. I think uh, that 
I think the challenging norms and that using your voice when the situation calls for it is how you teach your students not to be complacent. It's a form of ownership that that's so lacking, and when educators don't take ownership, they teach their students not to, which means we have no responsibility over what we learn and what we do, and we go into the world with the assumption that the bare minimum is ideal. In teaching ownership, you teach students to question why they're doing things and to challenge and to actually be rebellious rather than existing in a bubble of not questioning anything and accepting the way things are just because that's the way they are, which is not what the world needs. Um, And now I should probably stop because otherwise I don't think I ever will. Um, But again, thank you. This time last year, when I found out that I was going to be Mount Aspiring College's head student for 2020 alongside Michael, I was excited and extraordinarily humbled. It's difficult to describe the feeling of being told that a school has faith in you to lead it. I owe a thank you to the school and to everyone who supported myself and Michael this year. It's certainly been a year full of surprises and challenges, but being a head student of our school has been an experience nothing short of remarkable. This role's put me in a position in which I've had to exercise resilience, determination and be collaborative. It's taught me about integrity and the vitality of change. One of the most important things that I've learnt during my time at MAC is the whakatauki of box theatre senior drama. E haratakutoa takutoa i te toa takitahi he toa takitini. The strength is not in the individual, it is in the collective and I feel great pride to have been a part of such a special collective. And having had the privilege of working both behind closed doors and in front of them, I've been amazed by the importance of communication and collaboration between people in a world that's divided by assumption. When I applied for this position, I said that the people are the most important thing and that the merit in our honest voices could be the thing that allows us to unite. The first step in bettering any situation or culture is to recognise the value of honesty over ease. This is an institution that raises human beings. We have an obligation, a responsibility to be a place that acts on the importance of awareness rather than the comfort of ignorance. Appreciating the value of the individual and the power of the collective allows diluted good intentions to become real constructive actions. At a time where there is a confusion between truth and assumption, appearance and reality, between indifference and action, we can't afford to be afraid of confrontation, hard work, and the vulnerability that comes with trying. Risk is essential. We want to inspire achievement, but we live in a world where we're taught that to achieve is to be obedient. To achieve is not to spectate or suppress, but to own, to show up, and to have courage enough to defy expectations. It's incredibly strange being at the end of a seven-year journey at MAC and to be staring down the barrel of what's essentially the rest of our lives. For everything that we've done this year and for being the best partner in crime I could have possibly asked for, I want to acknowledge Michael. He is the most kind and humble person and deserves every success that he works for. I thank him, the student exec team, house leaders and student leaders. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to work alongside every one of you. 
to the teachers at MAC who've impacted all of our time here, thank you. On an especially personal note, there are several teachers who have, to say the least, impacted my life. And I speak directly to you when I say that that it's difficult to describe how much I value what you have done and what you continue to do. I'm extraordinarily grateful for everything that I've gained from knowing and watching you. You've taught me how to use my voice and that I should feel proud rather than guilty for having one. This is quite possibly the most significant thing that I've ever been taught. So thank you to those people. I couldn't have asked for anything more. I encourage every person at MAC, whether this is your last year or not, never to be afraid of change. Take opportunities and try. Success isn't just in the measurable things. Success is in process and navigating the unexpected and in valuing what matters, not just what is visible. I encourage you to do what you believe in rather than just what is expected of you. Always think for yourself. It is possible to be both respectful and rebellious, to be critical and optimistic. Michael and I now pass on the baton to two new students who no doubt will make this role their own. It is an absolute pleasure to announce that the Mount Aspiring College 2021 head student is Ollie Bly. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week.